Great to be here this morning. Um, we are expectant this morning that God is going to move among us. Are you here? Are you expecting? Yes. All expectant? Okay, that's a good start because we've had a bit of a tussle to get here this morning. We just sense the enemy has been trying to push us back. And um, yeah, some of the girls were talking about, well, Kelly was putting the enemy under her feet. They were that big boot, so was putting them down. And the prayer room, we were speaking the same kind of language. And Christine had said that the Lord had really prompted her to put her boots on instead of her shoes. And, and she said, because we're in the army, we need the boots on. So uh, that's what we we're sensing. And as we were worshiping there, I was just thinking of something that happened last night. Because William, when he gets into bed at night, and for those who might be watching, uh, who don't know us or what's in, online, which is amazing that people are listening to us in other places. Uh, William's my son and he's Down syndrome, he's almost 30. And he this, William has this habit, when he gets into bed at night, he, he'll keep his socks on him until I go and take the socks off. <laughs> and if I don't take them off, he'll be swinging them up in the air then. Like this. And uh, last night I put him down to bed and I was about to get into bed and I thought, oh, Better go and check if those socks are off. So we then pulled back the thing, and what was he lying up? Socks on him and track shoes on him as well. <laughs> and as soon as I saw them and started to pull them off him, when he started to laugh, and he laughed, it's his sense of humour. He thought that was hilarious to be lying up in bed with his track shoes on. But you know, just I'm telling you that because I was just thinking about how we need to remember we've got the shoes of salvation on our feet day and night. Even when you're in your bed, the shoes of salvation are on your feet. You've got the boots to trample on them, ladies. And so um, we're reminded just this morning by this title that I felt God prompted me to put, you, you, if you've trusted Jesus, if you know him as your saviour, if you have invited him to come into your heart and to live in you, Holy Spirit is in you, then you are the very person who has an all-powerful God. And the incredible thing is that his spirit is in you. At the moment of salvation, you are sealed by the spirit of God. You belong to God and he is all powerful. And we were just reminded as we reflect on last week, if you remember, we finished off where they tried to push him over the, over the top of the, the hilltop of the cliff and Jesus just walked through them. So we're going to just remind ourselves of that. Um, just a verse, we'll start from verse 29, that, he, that they rose up to thrust him out of the city and they led him to the brow of the hill. This is Luke chapter 4, verse 29. Uh, and they led him to the brow of the hill on which their city was built, that they might throw him down over the cliff. Remember that Satan is a real person and he operates through people. And the hatred that Satan and his demonic hordes have against Jesus. That's exactly still what they would try to do to push him down. But it says, then passing through the midst of them, Jesus went his way. And this morning, as we came into the prayer room this morning, we all had a sense, and different people through different experiences, having a sense of the enemy trying to thrust us back, not wanting us to go forward. And, and yet, because we have the Holy Spirit in us, because greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world that we can pass through. We can go through even the worst of stuff in life and God takes us through. And I think it's a beautiful little picture of how Jesus just walked through the middle of them. And no matter what's going on in your life today, you need to be reminded that you can walk through because you have Christ in you, the hope of glory. And he's in you and he's for you. So let's continue to read. I'm going to read uh, this passage right through and then we'll, we'll look at it. It says, verse 20, 31, Then Jesus went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and was teaching them on the Sabbath. And they were astonished at his teaching, for his word was with authority. Now, as the synagogue there, now in the synagogue there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon. And he cried out with a loud voice, saying, let us alone what have we to do with you jesus of nazareth did you come to destroy us i know who you are the holy one of god but jesus rebuked him saying be quiet and come out of him the original translation has the idea be muzzled like putting a muzzle on a dog that can't open its mouth we need to remember that because christ is in us 
that we have the authority. Jesus gave us authority to quiet and put a muzzle on the voice of the enemy. And when the demon had thrown him, that's the man in their midst, it came out of him and did not hurt him. Verse 36. Then they were all amazed and spoke among themselves, saying, What a word is this? For with authority and power, he, that's Jesus, commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. Now we're going to just look at that bit first, and then we'll read the other sections. And I was preparing this over the weekend, and yesterday morning I had a sense that I needed to really hear what did God want to say. And I felt the Lord say to me, you need to explain a little bit further to people what is an unclean demonic spirit? Where does it come from? What does it do? And I honestly feel that because, and as soon as I said that, I thought, Lord, I just need prayer then. I need a bit of prayer covering because I can tell you, the enemy does not want to be exposed. And he doesn't want you to have any insight as to what's going on in the, in the hidden places. He doesn't want you to know uh, what is happening in the spirit realm. And so we need to remind ourselves, first of all, that Jesus has power over demons, that he is all powerful, that he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And we need to remember that. And as he, as he saw this man with an unclean demonic spirit, it was exposed. Now, I thought this was very interesting. Jesus wasn't ranting and raving and commanding these things to come out. His very presence, the presence of the Godhead. Remember that Jesus is light. I am the light of the world. And his presence, when light comes into darkness, darkness begins to get uneasy. And without anything happening, these demonic, this demonic stuff just rose to the surface and it was exposed. And you see, light exposes the darkness. And remember that Jesus simply um, spoke the word. Did you notice that? That he rebuked him and it says they were all amazed because it was with the word. They said, what a word is this? For with, for with authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits and they come out. So the first thing we need to realize is that God has all power and he's power over the demonic realms. And I, I just I felt it would be good to read um, to you just John chapter 1, uh, the Gospel of John chapter 1, because um, it's good to remind ourselves that in the beginning was the Word. That's the name for Jesus. His name is the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Or another word for comprehend is they didn't, it didn't overcome it. Darkness can't overcome light. Another, another word for that is the darkness will never be able to eliminate the light. So we are children of light who live in the kingdom of light. And we do not, our place is not in darkness. And so uh, Jesus is the word. He is the word. Remember at the beginning of creation, he spoke the word and it brought, it brought order out of chaos. Satan is the author of confusion. Any confusion in your life is not from God. It's from the enemy. So we see that he is the word and by the word of God, he brought order out of chaos. And if you feel there's chaos in your life right now, I want to remind you that God's word coming into line with God's word will take the chaos out and it will put things, it will line things up for you. So we need to remember that, that Jesus is the word and he is also the light. Now I wanted to just talk a little bit about the demons and where they came from because uh, we know that God is the, we know that he is the um, the one who's spoken it was done. We know his word is, is powerful. We know that he, he's a creator. We know that he created the worlds. And we know that he created everything. Now, uh, Colossians 1, uh, verse 12 to 17. I'm going to read these verses to you as well. And then we're going to get into this. Because Colossians 1 says, and it's verses 12 to 17. Um, it says that we give thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in, the, in light. Okay, that's us. He has delivered us from the power of darkness. 
convert us into the kingdom of the Son of his love, in whom we have redemption through the blood, the forgiveness of sins. He, that's Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him, that's by Jesus, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. Now, principalities and powers are speaking about the evil, the evil realm of the demonic and of the principalities are, are the, the, the powers of evil that are in the air, even as we speak. And it says here that all things were created through him, that's through Jesus, and for him. So I really wanted to start off as we begin to look at this, and I'm praying for a covering of God's blood, Jesus, blood of Jesus over us because the enemy does not like this to be exposed. But we need to remember first and foremost that God is the creator, that he created everything. He created, he created the angels. He created the whole realm of principalities. He created the world. He created you and me, but he created the angels as well. And in the beginning, when he created the angels, the angels were there to uh, be with him, and there were um, different kinds of angels. Remember, we need to remind ourselves that angels are spirit life forms that we can't see. And they're named, some of them are named in the Bible. We read of the cherubim, you can read about them in Psalm 99, verse 1. It says, The Lord reigns, let the people tremble. He dwells between the cherubim. In the Old Testament, you might remember that in the book of Exodus, when God got them to make the tabernacle and put the, the Ark of the Covenant in the holy place, and we looked at that in Hebrews, if you remember last year, uh, you remember that the cherubim were at either side of the, of the Ark. That's the presence of God. They were actually either side of the mercy seat. So the cherubim are around the throne. And they're referred to again in Revelation as being around the throne. But then there are other created beings called seraphim. And they're mentioned in Isaiah 6. And their ministry is also closely related to the throne and to the praises of God. They're constantly, the seraphim are constantly worshipping and, and praising and extolling the virtues of God. And they're doing according to Isaiah 6 from above the throne. So these are all created beings that God created. And in Job 38 and verses 4 and 7, we haven't time to read it, but it tells us that at creation, that these, it refers to the angels as stars. The angels are referred to a lot in the Bible as being like stars. And it says they sang together at creation. So God made everything perfect. And these, uh, these angelic beings were, were singing and glorifying God at the beginning of creation. Now, there's only three angels that seem to be above the rank of others that are mentioned in the Bible by name. They seem to be strong, uh, strong angels, and they're referred to as Michael. You'll read about him in various places, mostly around the book of Daniel. Um, and then there's Gabriel, who was the messenger who came to, remember he came to Mary and to Elizabeth. Um, and then there is Lucifer. And Lucifer, of course, we know who he is. Lucifer means light. And so he was created, and it would seem, we're going to look at a few verses very briefly, just to paint the backdrop to this. It would seem that Satan was created to be like a light bearer. He was created to be in charge of worship in heaven. Let's just uh, read um, Let's just read a little bit about this. As we're getting, it's amazing that... Um, these archangels, they're only actually mentioned, the only one that's mentioned in the Bible as being an archangel is Michael. You can read that in the little book of Jude. But the archangels is the name we put on them. We call them all archangels. That's like stronger than the rest of them and more important than the others. And it's interesting that both prophets, Ezekiel and Isaiah, reveal to us a shocking fact that one of these archangels rebelled against God and turned, we would say now they turned to the dark side. And of course he was Lucifer, now known as Satan. The name Satan means adversary or hatred. That's who our enemy is, is Satan. Let's read a little bit that the prophets had a glimpse into 
and were inspired to write that we would understand a little bit about what happened. We can just look <coughs> briefly at Ezekiel 28 and it says, I'm going to read from verse 12, I think your notes are from 14, but I'm actually going to read from 12 to 19. Verse 12 says, Son of man, take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre, that's another title given to Lucifer, and say to him, thus says the Lord God, you were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and, and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering, the sardis, etc., etc. I'll not read down. I, I will actually read down. Uh, down. I'll read it all. The, the sardius, topaz and diamond, burl, onyx and zasper, sapphire, turquoise and emerald with gold. Now, the workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day you were created. Something to do with music. It's in poetic language. We don't really understand it all. But did you ever uh, go into a place and they had like things out in the outside and they're like um, uh, kind of like pipe things and the wind blows through and makes a musical sound? That's the kind of picture that I get. And, uh, and, and it's interesting because I think, I'm sure there's nothing wrong with that at some levels, some new age stuff is into that. Um, so there's something about, um, there's something about, the, the, about Lucifer being anointed for music and it says, it goes on to say in verse 14, you were the anointed cherub who covers. So he was an angel. He was an anointed angel, anointed cherub who covered. And the word goes on to say, I established you you were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of the fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created. Remember, he was created. Lucifer was created. Till iniquity was, till iniquity was found in you. By the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence within and you sinned. Therefore, I cast you as a profane thing out of the mountain of God and I destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the fiery stones. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. It was through pride. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I led you before kings that they might gaze at you. So there's something even here that you see that, that God created Lucifer, that he was meant to, he was given this gift of music and he was meant to be a light bearer. But because pride rose up in him, and because he he spoke, because he, he tried to take over from God, we're going to see that shortly in the next reading. His heart was lifted up. He was cast. I want you to get this. He was cast out of heaven. So, and and we haven't time to go into it. But it would seem, you know, the way there's lots of talk about creation and everything. Uh, we don't know what that effect had even on the earth. But he was in, on the earth whenever God then created man. So we're not getting into too much on that. But um, then if we look a little bit further in Isaiah 14, it tells us a little bit more, gives us another little bit of information there. Again, Isaiah was um, inspired by the Holy Spirit to write, and it says, verse 14, uh, Isaiah 14, verse 12, it says, How have you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How you are cut down to the ground. You who weaken the nations, for you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the furthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Do you see how he wanted to be greater than the other cherubs, the other anointed angels? And he wanted to be greater than God as well, to be like the Most High. Just, we'll just stop for one second. What have we been saying and looking at in the temptation? What did Satan say? Bow down to me when he tempted Jesus? That has always been his goal. But it says in verse 15, Yet, still speaking to Lucifer, you shall be brought down to Sheol to the lowest depths of the pit. Those who see you will gaze at you and consider you saying, Is this the man who made the earth tremble, who shook kingdoms? So do you see the background to this one archangel called Lucifer? And do you see how um, he was cast out of heaven? Now, it's very, very interesting that, um, that 
not only was he cast out of heaven, but if we look at, a, and we haven't time to read it all, but if we look at Re- Revelation 12 and 4, it says that, the, that there were angels, that it says that actually with his tail, that he actually took a third of the angels, and actually maybe we just should look at it and read it, Revelation 12 and 4. I want to build up a background that you can see this because I want to make this very clear because I feel God wants light, he wants evil, he wants the demonic realm to be exposed as to what it is. So it says in Revelation 12 and 4 that Satan's tail drew a third of the stars of heaven, again stars refer to the angels, and threw them to the earth. So we're given a little insight there as well that, that Satan took a number of the angels with him. In other words, there were some angels who um, threw their weight in with him and they were also cast out of heaven. So you get this background how now we have not just Satan, not just a, a cherub, an anointed cherub, an archangel if you like, that has gone to the dark side, but we have a whole host of angels who have also gone to the dark side and they're now with him to oppose God, to be God's adversary, to come against God and to come against us. And do you get the picture clearly? So now we have this realm and no longer are they good angels but they're now Satan. Lucifer has now taken on the name of Satan, the one who's the adversary. And he has with him all of these hordes of the demonic who were formerly angels but who went to the bad and now he has the demonic realms and they're full of evil and they're totally anti-God in every single way and they're trying to oppose God in every single way. And that is what the demonic is. And that's why Jesus taught us to pray in the Lord's it's not the Lord's prayer, it's our prayer, the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. And we, what do we pray? We say, deliver us from evil, because there is evil in the world. And that's why the Bible says in Ephesians uh, 6, that we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, verse 1, that Satan is the prince of the power of the air. So he, he operates, it would seem, in the area, particularly, do you remember we looked in, in, in Hebrews? We looked at, at how, uh, how there was this, like the third heaven, the three heavens, and, and how there's the, the, I'm not going to get into all of now, but remember we pointed out that it was the, it was the air around us that the enemy um, works in and seems to live in. He's called the prince of the power of the air, and that's where his principalities and powers are. And that's why 2 Corinthians 10, uh, verses 3 to 5, also says, we walk in the flesh, so we're in a body, but we don't war according to the flesh, but we, we war according to the pulling down of strongholds. So that's a bit of a background as to where they came from, how the, how the, the demons came to be, uh, they, they were cast out of heaven. But then we need to look at what is the role then? What do they do? Well, we know that Jesus said very, very clearly in John 10, verse 10, Jesus said that Satan came to kill and to steal and to destroy. So if you like that Satan's mission statement, that's what he's after. He wants to kill and steal and destroy from you. He wants to hurt you. But Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So that's God's plan for you. So how can then these unclean demonic spirits, how can they, you know, in this particular situation, as soon as Jesus uh, walked um, into into, uh, Capernaum, and it's interesting that he was preaching in Capernaum. Uh, You can go to Capernaum today, you can see the ruins. You can still see the ruins of the synagogue. You can actually see the area where they reckon it could have been. We don't know for sure, but where Peter's mother-in-law lived. But it's, it's a beautiful spot to go to, and, and forgetting about trying to put a place on anything, it's a beautiful place to go and remember that Jesus, you're right beside the Sea of Galilee. And you can just see Jesus getting off the boat and just coming up to teach in that synagogue. 
And, uh, and as he was teaching, it says, as he was just teaching the word, did you notice that as I read that? That this unclean spirit manifested itself. I'll tell you something. I believe that when we talk about getting rid of, of spirits or demons, I believe it can happen in a very natural ses- setting as the word is spoken, that the word of God exposes light into hearts and the, the demonic is exposed even through the word of God. And that's what seems to have happened here. This man, it says, now in the synagogue there was a man who had a, had a spirit of an unclean demon. And he cried out with a loud voice. So how did this demon get into him? And how can demons oppress us or possess us? Some people are possessed by by the demonic because they open themselves up to it. But there's lots of other people and it's more like an oppression. The demons aren't actually possessing them entirely, but they're oppressing them. And that's what he was trying to do with believers. And we're going to look at that in a wee moment. So how can these demons, how, how can they enter in or how can they harm us or oppress us? How, is that, how does that happen? And I just think we need for one minute, we just need to remind ourselves of, of what happened at the very beginning. Do you remember? Satan tempted Eve. Eve listened to him. Didn't obey God. Eve sinned in the garden because she listened and she believed what the enemy told her and because of that she became spiritually dead the spirit, spiritual part of her that was linked to God remember they talked to God every day in the garden that spiritual part of her died and every single person that was going to be born after that the same thing, spiritual death the spirit part of us that was created in the beginning to link to God and to give us that connection, it, it died because of sin. And sin is the very thing that continues to give Satan his power. Because as soon as Eve did that, he took over. It was almost like he took the, the title deeds of earth because Adam and Eve had been given the title deeds. They were told to run the planet. God gave them the, the commission to do it. But because they turned and listened to the enemy, the enemy then had the legal, legal right to take the deeds off them and he became the prince of the power of the air, and he took over world dominion. And that's why Jesus had to come to die for us, that he would die for us, take the sin that we have committed on himself, become sin for us, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Why? So that the spirit part of us that was dead would be brought back to life again that we would be able then to communicate and come back to our original relationship with him. So because of sin, Satan continues, I've written in your notes, he continues to oppress and even possess certain people in certain situations of the human race. Because we are born in sin, we commit sin, and we still suffer from the consequences of sin. That's what's happening. Now, when we get saved, of course we're forgiven. Of course we're sealed by the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit when we get saved. But you know what? The enemy will still look to see if there's any legal ground in your past. Even though you're a child of God, he will still look to see if there's any legal agreement or anything that, that happened to you where, there was, where he got legal ground. And that's why some people say, well, I'm saved, but I'm still troubled by this. And you see, Jesus died to save us completely. He wants light to flood through every area. And so we know that Jesus is light. We know that he is the life of the world. He's the truth. We know that Satan is a liar. And so we're going to look at what actually, how does Satan do this? Well, you know, we talk here an awful lot about the lies that we believe. Satan is a liar. And there's no doubt about it. When we believe his lies, that gives him legal ground. If you believe what he, the lies he tells you, then you're going to be troubled because you're going to believe something that's not the truth. So that stands to reason. But I want to look a little bit deeper than that because I feel that there are things that we need to be more aware of as to how legal can have legal ground in your life. And I don't want anybody to be frightened of this because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. So there is nothing to be frightened of when we're speaking about this, but I just think it's really important to bring it out into the open. 
because I wanted to bring a few examples, and this is not exhaustive by any means, this is just a few things that I thought of yesterday, that the enemy will try to get legal ground so that he can continue to plague you and weaken you, even after salvation. Because when we get saved, we're sealed, we're forgiven, our name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, we can't go to hell, we belong to God, but the enemy will still try to hold on to old ground. Does that make sense? Now I've written down here, trauma is one of the things that will open the door, especially to a spirit of fear. And for those who have come through, you know, any kind of trauma, and I wanted to start off with it in the womb, first of all, because I don't think we realise how much damage the enemy can do whenever we're still in the womb. And I don't think that this is talked about very much. But you know, the psychologists are catching on because the psychologists will tell us that it's important to play nice music to your child when you're pregnant. It's important to be, you know, nice thoughts and all. Because what the mother is feeling and experience, the child can pick up in the womb. And so you've got to remember that when the child's in the womb, the enemy is trying to harm you, to kill and to steal and destroy from you, even from you're in the womb. And we don't know what went on. We don't know if there was any violence. We don't know if there was any trauma that happened to our mothers. Most of us wouldn't know that. But the enemy will look to see if anything's going on, he will want to, that child in the womb, even though it's only a small embryo, it's still a spirit. God has put a spirit in the embryo. And even as the embryo, the spirit is in the child. And the soul is there. God has given it a soul that will last forever. And when the, when the enemy, if there's something going on like violence or some trauma that the mother experiences, the enemy will cause fear in that embryo. which will, And he will assign a spirit of fear to go and attach itself to that child. And it's almost like a wound has been inflicted in the womb. And if you can picture how, if you have a wound and it's left exposed, and I want you to get the picture of the idea of a hot country somewhere and an open wound and loads of flies all around it. That's the picture that you need to get because that's what the enemy does. Through trauma, through a wound of hurt, through something traumatic, it's like an open gaping wound and it's like the demonic come like flies and it's like they're over that wound. And that's why it's so important that Jesus, that we are delivered from this stuff because when we, if we want to be healed, if we want to know true healing from the wounds of our past, then we need to speak in the name of Jesus, speak the word of God, and we need to get rid of the flies because a wound can't heal if, it's, if there's flies over it. Isn't that right? If there's infection there from dirt and from flies, then it can be taken out. The wound needs to be cleaned. Forgiveness needs to happen. So that's the order. If you want if you want to have your life fully with God, you need rid of the, any demonic influence from any wound or the past or whatever's going on in your life or has gone on in your life. And you need, it, it's, it's, God wants to do it simultaneously and he can do it all in one go. He can get rid of the demonic and he can, he can heal up. He can wash it first of all at the forgiveness and then bring the healing. And so it seems that from the womb that we can actually carry these these things that we don't know anything about. We don't understand why we're depressed, why we're feeling so full of fear all the time, why there's a sense of foreboding. But it's because the enemy came in through trauma and it seems that trauma opens a door, if you like, for the enemy to come in and to plague us. And so there might be some little area that he got legal ground through the fear that you experienced as a child. And Jesus wants us to be free of that and sometimes when we get saved sometimes god does it right there and then sometimes we are free of it right there and then but other times it's like a journey that god wants to take us through and you know what going through the journey of healing wounds and 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 realizing why we felt so bad is actually a journey towards being able to help others because god doesn't waste anything and so um he can plant a spirit of fear is a very common one he can plant a spirit of foreboding or a spirit of um, torment um, and even a spirit of abandonment because even though that child is, is only a little embryo, the soul of the child can hear and understand. The child is 
physically it's just it can't do it but the, there's a soul in there and so the enemy can can put stuff in there and, and the mother maybe is not even aware of it and the, the mother's definitely usually never aware of it unless they really know something about God and they're, they're praying over their child and that's what you should do you should actually pray over the baby in the womb because the enemy will try to reach even from the womb and uh, so trauma will open up the door to fear it might be something traumatic that's happened later on in life where you've had a terrible fear and because you were so petrified it seems it opens up a, a door for the enemy to come in with this spirit that kind of attaches itself legally so that you're kind of plagued with that and you know and a lot of it's tied up in memories where the enemy will come and, and haunt you with a memory of something even maybe even in the womb that you don't that the embryo with the soul in it can remember but you can't and so God wants to set us free from all of these things. And so we see that these unclean spirits can do dreadful damage. And we're going to see as we go through the book of Luke that they're talked about all over the place because they are everywhere. And we shouldn't be running scared of demons because Jesus has paid the price for us to be free from them and we can live a life and we can we overcome through what Jesus has done on the cross. But we need to be aware that there are things that will try to harm you. And yesterday friend came around and we had a bit of a chat and we got chatting about sort of a sense of fear that this friend had and we began to talk about uh, the past and about how you know even when she was in the womb that that her mother would have been very depressed and a lot of stuff going on and, and actually some of the things that she was feeling we were able to relate and pray over and it wasn't spooky we just prayed that the light of God's Holy Spirit would shine light into every little nook and cranny that anything that was there, that was there illegally, that the Holy Spirit would just shine the light in. You know what? When you shine the light in, demons have to go. They can't stay where there's light. They have to go once they're exposed. And so why would we put up with these things whenever uh, the light of God's word will actually set us free? Other things that, will, that, will, that the enemy will use, and again, all of this is sin, the embryo is being sinned against in the womb. But we are born in sin. And, and the, the enemy has a legal right over even the embryo in the womb. The other thing is sexual activity outside God's covering of marriage. God has put his covering over marriage, over the sexual union. Because the sexual union between a man and a wife, which is the order that God has given, is a picture of Christ and the church. And it's a very beautiful, holy thing. And when people do it outside of marriage, then they're actually opening themselves up to the enemy coming in and just swooping down on that because that was what they did was outside the covering. And Satan has always done this. Because if you go back to the Old Testament and you read through the Old Testament, you'll see that a lot of the time that Baal worship went on was the sacrifices of children, going back to the hatred of children, but also it was um, through, sex, through sexual promiscuity. They had these, these temple prostitutes. And what was happening? Well, the enemy was using sex outside of marriage, using sexual immorality to pass on the demonic. And he's always done it, and he's continued to do it, and people don't realise what's happening. And so when you have sex outside of marriage, you're opening yourself up to all kinds. I mean, and I, I haven't time to do this today, but if you could imagine, um, you know, standing and, and one person maybe having a relationship with maybe maybe having a sexual relationship with four or five people, and then the, the, those four or five people that they've had a relationship with, maybe they've had four or five people, so that comes down through the life. They've had four, maybe they've had ten people. You put, begin to do the mass and work it out, and actually the demonic has leeway to come from so many angles because that's how he passes on unclean spirits and tormenting spirits and all of the rest of it. And so that's one of the other ways that, that unclean demonic demons will come against us. The other way we can open ourselves up is through pornography or unlawful sexual experience experience that just invites the demons in. Anything that's outside of God's order and God's covering just gives an invitation to the demonic. And then of course, finally, and this is not by any means loads of other stuff, but I've just picked these ones out, is we can open a door to the enemy through our words. You know, God wants us to speak out truth. And that whining, complaining spirit, God, in the Old Testament, God hated that. 
He hated Israel always complaining, always grumbling. We were made to be vessels of honour, to praise God. That's what we're made to do. We're made to praise him. We're, we are, now that we've come to trust him as our saviour, Jesus said that we have the light of the world. We carry his light and we're here to praise him and to worship him and to be lights in a dark world. And that's why it's so important that we, if there's anything going on, that of course we get bad days and of course everybody gets a bit of frail times. I'm not, I'm not trying to put a demon on everything. Hear me in this. I'm not trying to say that everything you're going through is a demon. I'm just saying that if there's something constantly coming against you, and it may be a constant memory or a constant feeling where you just feel it and there's no reason to feel it. And my friend yesterday was saying that, you know, that that's really no reason to feel so bad, but yet she was feeling it. And, and, and if, you're, if that's the way what you're experiencing, then maybe we just need to pray for that cleansing and just to expose anything of the enemy. And I don't think it needs to be too spooky. I just think it means, it just means bringing it into the light. Asking the Holy Spirit to shine his light into the darkest little nooks and crannies. And if there's any memory or anything that needs to come up, that would just uh, be something to pray into, that would just expose where that first started, then we can pray into that. And you know, asking God to do the most beautiful healing in people when they're willing and want God's light to shine into them. It seems the very presence of Jesus forced the demons to show themselves, and then his word brought deliverance. The light of the gospel shone into your hearts. God wants you free. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. That's what Galatians chapter 5 verse 1 says. And God wants you and he wants me free. And he wants us to be vessels of light where there's no darkness in us and where we can, we can um, step forward with him. And so I just really encourage you that if there's something that you just feel you need some prayer for, just go and get prayer. Just be willing to be open. You know, we've been brought up in a culture in Northern Ireland, and I, thank God it's changing, but we've been brought up in a country where you hide everything. Isn't that right? Don't let anybody know what we're going through. Isn't that right? Oh, just keep that quiet. And that's exactly what Satan wants to do, because he dwells in the dark. And the reason that we are tormented by stuff is we allow it to remain in the dark. We, we keep it, we allow the enemy, and when it's in the dark, the enemy can cause you havoc. He can cause all kinds of, you know, depressions and fears and torment and, and, and all kinds of stuff. But you know what? When you bring it into the light, as he is in the light, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses you from all sin, but he also delivers you from the power of all sin because of what he's done. And so the Lord wants us, I believe, to be free. So we see that this demonic man was set free. And it says they were all amazed and spoke among themselves, saying, what a word is this? For with authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits and they come out. Has Jesus changed anything? Is he the same today as he was back then? Well, we know that he is. He's the same yesterday and today and forever. We know that. He's the same God. And this was, he did this. This, he did it on the other side of the cross. He still hadn't gone to the cross yet, but he still had power. And you know, when he died on the cross, he completed the work to totally, absolutely deliver you. You do not have to be afraid. You do not have to be thinking about thinking the enemy's going to get you. No, he's not. The blood of Jesus Christ has cleansed you and washed you and set you free. All you've got to do is step into it by faith. And the reason we don't, we don't receive stuff from God is because we don't receive it by faith. We're crying around, oh God, please do this, please do that. And, so, and more and more, I've been just so aware of needing to say to people, now, you know, we prayed that. But how did you get saved? You received the gift of salvation by faith. So how are you going to receive this healing? How are you going to receive this, this, this deliverance? By faith. Without faith, the Bible says, it's impossible to please him. And so we must receive it by faith. And it's a miracle. But we can be set free, we can be delivered. And that stuff from the past, God wants to shine his light into it. So many times in my own life, you know, <clears throat> my mother was killed in a car accident whenever I was 
uh, just b before my 13th birthday. And for years, I had a fear of like a spirit of death around me. And especially after William was born, it really came around me strong that, that maybe I would die in an airplane crash or maybe William would you know, be left. And all of those fears, that's what the enemy loves to do. And he does it through something traumatic. It was a very traumatic way that my mother died. And so I believe that that was, and I know lots of us have, have a fear of death and it doesn't necessarily come through something like that, but I really identified that as being something. And so I've gone and got prayer for that and just been able to be free of it. And because Jesus has come and overcome sin and death and hell. And we do not have to be afraid. And God wants to set us free from the things that the enemy would try to torment us with and pull us back. So it tells us then that after that, that Jesus went, uh, let's just read the next few verses and we'll quickly finish this off. First, verse 38, it says, Now Jesus arose from the synagogue and he entered Simon's house. But Simon's wife's mother was sick with a high fever and they made request of Jesus concerning her. So he stood over her and rebuked the fever and it left her and immediately she arose and served them. And when the sun was setting, all those who had, who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of many, crying out and saying, You are the Christ, the Son of God. And he, rebuking them, did not allow them to speak, for they knew that he was the Christ. Do you see what's happening here? I read somewhere, and I thought it was, I thought it was, it was quite clever, it said that whenever Peter and the rest of them were coming back to Peter's home, and they were coming back to where his mother-in-law was, it says that they found that there was feverish activity and fiery trials awaiting. Isn't it amazing how sometimes you're coming back after a meeting or you've been in a really spiritual high, maybe praying with a few friends or whatever, and you go home and something's just waiting for you. <laughs> you ever notice that? And it's like, it's like the enemy said, I'll show you, you know. And that's what happened here. They, they came back and, the, and, and Peter's mother had a very high fever and it possibly looked like she was going to die. But the person that wrote this, I thought it was quite clever, they said, but you see, they were able to overcome the problem because Peter and the rest of the disciples had brought Jesus home with them. And that's the secret. It's not what happens in the meeting here. It's not, it's not the highs that you receive when you're praying with other people. It's bringing Jesus home with you that can sort out this stuff. It's continuing to walk with Jesus when you get home. And so just, he just spoke and, and Peter's mother-in-law was healed immediately. And then we see this picture of all of these other um, people and they're also healed as well. And again, uh, Jesus, had, so he's, he's casting out demons as well. It says, um, that he spoke and rebuked many. Didn't, and, and, and I just thought it was interesting that it says that Jesus did not allow the demonic to speak. You know, I've been in places, and I'm not, I'm not trying to throw anything on anybody, but you know, the demonic would try to make a show. It would try to make, the demonic's real. If you've ever been in a place where the demonic manifests, you would realize that it's, that it's real. But you know, Jesus did, didn't let them speak at all. And we have been given authority, and I think that's a big key, that we can just say, be quiet, in Jesus' name. It doesn't have to be. Satan always loves disorder and chaos. That's not God's way. Just be quiet in the name of Jesus. And we have authority. And it says that he cast many out. And that was, of course, to set them free. And then as we wind up on the last bit, because I think this is a lovely way to finish today, it says in verse 30, Sorry, but where am I now? Verse 42, it says, Now when it was day, actually the idea is when it was a new day. As we go out of here today, I would love that we'd go out with a sense of it being a new day. That we're entering into a new day, a new season of our lives. Because, you know, the enemy will try to rake up the past. And if there's stuff that you've had prayer for, don't let him rake it up again. Because I'll tell you, I'm speaking out to expose Satan. But you know what the enemy would try to do? Because he's so sneaky. He would try to rake up stuff that's already been dealt with. Don't you let him do that. You don't need to go over stuff that has been forgiven, that you've been delivered of, that has been washed and cleansed, that wounds that have been healed. You don't have to go and open up those wounds again. That's what Satan would try to get you to do. God wants to heal our wounds. He wants to forgive our sins. And he wants to deliver us from demonic. Three things. 
and we were talking, this, David Legg was, often says this, you know, you don't forgive what needs to be delivered. Forgiveness is forgiveness. Deliverance is deliverance. You don't deliver what needs to be healed. Healed needs to be healed. God washes us, forgives us. He heals our wounds. And the demonic are not allowed to be there. And I believe that God wants us healed. And he wants us delivered. And he wants us to know that we are totally and absolutely forgiven. And he wants us to walk in the light of that and in the joy of that. Knowing that he has dealt with those stuff. Those wounds have been dealt with. And don't let the enemy come and break them up again. Unless you've never got them sorted in the first place. If they're still causing you trouble, then bring them out into the light and get prayer and get deliverance. And so we see that in verse 42, now it was a new day. He departed and went into a deserted place and the crowd sought him and came to him and tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also because for this purpose I have been sent. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Galilee. Just that one verse, one of the finish with 42. It was a day or if you like a new day coming into a new season. He departed and went into a deserted place. And I just wanted to finish off today saying that the all-powerful Son of God... needed to get time aside with his father. How much more do we? He was busy because he allowed himself to be brought into this world as a real human being. He experienced real physical exhaustion, but he was never stressed out. He was never in a frenzy. He was never, he was never uptight. He moved with tranquility. That's what I felt God was saying to me over the summer. Remember I told you, after I broke my kneecap, I felt he was saying, start praying to me, take the hurry out of you. And I've been saying, Lord, even if I'm busy, will you take the hurry out of me? Do you, I've learned it's possible to be busy, but not have the hurry. That stressed out thing, that uptight thing, that you have to get it done, everybody, nobody understands what I have to do. God wants us to move with tranquility. And I believe, I believe that God wants us to experience, and I'm speaking to myself more and more solitude with the Lord himself. Spurgeon said, there are times when solitude is better than society and silence is wiser than speech. I believe that God wants us to consciously choose to get aside and to be silent before God. One of the seventh century church bishops said this, the highest form of prayer is to stand silently in awe before your God. And you know, as I've been thinking about this, I've been thinking about how important it is to have those times of just being in God's presence. Do you know what one of the things that I love in Hebrews 11, it tells us that at the end of, of Jacob's life, after all this twisting and turning and scheming and all the rest of it, at the end of it all, because he, he, he reached a point with God where God broke him. And it says he went away limping. But at the end of his life, he had learned to receive from God and he had blessings to pass on to the next generation. And when he passed on the blessings, what's the last thing it says about Jacob? It says he worshipped leaning upon a staff in awe of what God had done. Are you one of those people that have, you've had a struggle in your life? I am. You've gone through struggles, you've gone through trials, and you've battled and all the rest of it, and God said, look, just come and let me just deal with all this stuff. I died on the cross to forgive you from your sins, to cast out anything that's troubling old wounds. I want, I want you to be free of the pain and the memory of old wounds. Often healing is another subject, but often healing is in the memory. I want you to be free of that, he says. I've cast it out of my mind. I've, forgot, I've chosen to forget it. I want you to allow me to heal you from those wounds. And I want you to allow me to bring you into emotional and spiritual healing. And sometimes even physical healing that he touches us and does the miraculous amongst us. 
the idea of silence and solitude to bring us into intimacy with God, you know, for, for a lot of us, it's almost a new concept, isn't it? And I think we need more of it. We need to spend more time in his presence. I want to read a few verses and then we're finished. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. Habakkuk 2 verse 20. In quietness and in confidence shall be your strength. Isaiah 30 15. Be still and know that I am God. Psalm 46. My soul, wait silently for God alone, for my expectation is from him. Psalm 62. And then, of course, just what we've read today. So he himself, Jesus, often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. It's a choice. If he did it, we need to do it. We need to slow right down there and take some time to be still and know that he is God. To know that he can take all that rubbish, that he can deal with it all, that he can sort it out. I've just written as, a, as, a, as something for you to think about at the end. We belong, you belong, to an all-powerful God who has given you authority to overcome. And you still do it by walking in the light and agreeing with his word and taking time to be alone with our Father. He's paid the price. He died for your sins. He died for your healing. He died for you to be totally delivered. The enemy has nothing to say against you. He has no legal right except what you give him. And if you continue to believe his lies and listen to what he tells you, then you continue to be plagued. If you continue to listen to that voice that says, keep it quiet, just cover it all up. Let it stay down there. It's all right, you've been down there long enough, just let it stay there. If you continue to listen to that lie, then you'll continue to be plagued. What does God say? He says, come on to me. All you that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He wants to give you the healing. He wants to do all that's needed to do in all of those little parts of you. He wants you to sleep with your boots on. To know that you're walking in salvation. To know that's who you are. You're a child of God. He wants you to have that helmet of salvation on your head. Sleep with it on you as well. Put the wee cap on, the wee nightcap. The helmet of salvation is on your head. That's to cover your thoughts. Shoes of the gospel of peace. You can sleep with them on you. The belt of truth. The breastplate of righteousness. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. How do you defeat him? Take the sword. Trample on Jesus' name. Lord, may we know it in our lives. May we understand that all things are possible with you. Our great, true, wonderful God. The King of Kings. The Lord of Lords. We bow at your feet, Lord. We thank you that all hell must bow that every knee must bow. Lord, thank you that you are the God who reigns and you're on your throne today. May we experience you today. Holy Spirit, we ask you now, would you just minister in the hearts of every woman? And as we read this, as we sing this song together right now, Holy Spirit, would you just do a work to realise that Jesus is the King of Kings and we are meant to live as the King's daughters. And that means living in forgiveness, being delivered from the enemy's power in every shape and form, and walking in healing, emotionally and spiritually, to walk with you, Lord, and to be vessels of honour, filled with your light, to reach a world of darkness. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's just sing the song together. King of kings, majesty, God of heaven, living in me. I want you to remember that he is living in you. Gentle saviour, closest friend, strong deliverer. He's still a strong deliverer, beginning and end. Let's just sing this and really mean it for the standard.
just whispering to me that it was really important for anyone who's believing lies of the enemy because we all do it and we need to repent of it but I really felt like the Holy Spirit gave me a verse that I need to speak to you before you leave repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord if we want those times of refreshing and we want to really enjoy God we've got to repent of the lies ladies We've got to repent of believing those lies to keep it all in the dark, to keep it all down there. It'll be all right, sure, I'm safe from going to heaven. Don't allow the enemy to rob you, because he wants to rob you and kill and destroy you. Don't allow that to happen. Repent of believing the lies and believe the truth, that Jesus Christ died and rose again to set you free and to give you life to the full. Not something less than that. He died and he rose again. He defeated sin and death and hell. He went down into Hades and he cleared it out. He took the Old Testament saints back with him. They're in heaven. The job's been done. It's finished. Finito. Stop believing the lies of the enemy and allow God to do what he wants to do, to set you free that you can be dancing out of here. I want to see everybody dancing out of here before too long. In Jesus' name, amen.